once in a while I catch myself saying something uh, with the exact same inflection that my dad uses. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes Trish will catch it and I won't. She'll say, you sounded just like your dad then. And uh, what we know is that parts of our parents are imprinted upon us. But of course, all of us grew up in flawed families, right? And when you have your own family, it's going to be flawed too. Uh, so today, we're starting this three-Sunday series called Flawed But Following Families. You know, I find that it's not easy to preach about family. You know why? Because it's so hard to find good role models of families in the Bible. I mean... Uh, for example, when you, when you first open up the, the Bible, the first book is Genesis, what kind of families do you find? Adam blames his wife Eve for making him eat the forbidden fruit. Their son Cain kills his brother Abel out of jealousy. Noah curses his youngest son for not covering up Noah's nakedness when he was passed out drunk. Abraham and Sarah decide it's okay for him to have uh, a baby with another woman. And then Sarah gets jealous of the other woman and kicks her and her son out of the house. Jacob tricks his father and takes the blessing reserved for his older brother. And then Jacob gets tricked when his future father-in-law gives him a different daughter on his wedding night. Jacob favors his son Joseph over his ten older sons. And then out of revenge, Joseph's older brothers sell him, sell him as a slave to a caravan of traders. So if you want to be talking about a biblical family, there it is. But the big message of the Bible is that God works with flawed families. God keeps his promises. God keeps working in them and through them. And I don't know about you, but I draw a lot of comfort from that. The only story that we have of Jesus uh, in his family of origin is when he's 12 and he gets lost. Uh, he, he sends his parents into a three-day panic. An Amber Alert goes out for Jesus, you know. And how can he run off like this? He, has he been abducted? Is he even alive? When they finally found him, his mother says, Why have you treated us like this? Translation, what were you thinking? The Bible, you know, doesn't even give us a whole lot of instruction about how to be a family. And I thought, well, why is that? And I believe it's because we're supposed to do this. Follow Jesus at home. Very simple, right? All together, shall we? Follow Jesus at home. So, Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Golden rule. Now, do it at home. In John's gospel, Jesus raises the stakes. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus came to serve. He came to sacrifice. Now, do it at home. So today's message is about being selfish but submitting. You know, we, we all have uh, a lot of selfishness in us. Uh, we know that. Jesus says, follow me. And in this three Sunday series, we're going we're gonna to take a look at how to follow Jesus at home. You know, the first century leaders in the church, uh, they did the same thing. Uh, they, they taught the believers how to follow Jesus at home. 
And our scripture reading that Gary read for us is an example of that. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to that. It's Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse uh, 21 on page 1176. If, you're, if you've got the Pew Bible, and if you're wishing you had a Bible of your own to read at home, then take that Pew Bible. You can have it. It's yours to keep. In verse 21, Paul the missionary tells these flawed families how to follow Jesus at home. Verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's say it together. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is how you treat everybody, but especially your family. So what does that mean? What does that mean to submit? Trish calls it the S word. <laughs> submit. Uh, the, the Greek word is hupotasso, and it started as a military word. It's how the troops would submit under the command of their leader. In non-military uses, it means to voluntarily cooperate and carry someone's burden. That's what submitting families do. They voluntarily cooperate and carry each other's burden. Wives and husbands cooperate carry each other's burdens. Children and parents cooperate and carry each other's burdens. And, and we do it because Jesus is our commander. We submit to one another as we reverently submit to him. Then, in verse 22, Paul shows what that looks like for wives. Wives, submit to yourself, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, husbands, you're not allowed to say amen right here. Because it, the, verse 22 isn't talking to you. It's not telling you that you can, you can uh, tell your wife to submit. It's talking to her. Now, what's not clear in the English translation is that verse 22 is a continuation of verse 21 uh, of the previous sentence. And, and, and the word submit is used only once. More literally, verses 22, 21 and 22 would read, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your husbands as you do to the Lord. So, that means that the way wives are to submit to their husbands is exactly the way, exactly the way that all Christians are to submit to each other. She voluntarily cooperates with him and helps carry his burdens. That's what Jesus did. He came to serve he carried our burdens, and that's how wives treat their husbands. They get to be like Jesus. And in verse 25, Paul tells husbands they also get to be like Jesus. It's verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did he do that? He gave himself up for her. And the word love here is, is more than showing affection. If you look in the rest of chapter 25, Paul is telling husbands, it's obvious that you love your body because you submit to your body's needs all the time. When, when, when it's hungry, you feed it. When it's tired, you rest it. When it hurts, you soothe it. You serve your body every day. And that's how to love your wife, with a submitting, serving love. 
Then we see in the first verse of chapter 6, it says to the children, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. When you're a kid, uh, your parent is kind of like a middleman or middlewoman. And, and the goal is that someday you're going to grow up and learn to obey the Lord without your parents in the middle. And then in verse 4, it addresses fathers, although I'm sure it's also meant for mothers. Some translations even call it parents. It says, do not exasperate your children. It means don't aggravate your kids just because you're the boss. Instead, of, instead, submit yourself to the task of taking your children on this journey of faith with you. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Remember what Jesus said. As I have loved you, in the same way I have loved you, so you must love each other. So families, love each other that way. Follow Jesus at home. Now that sounds good, right? That sounds pretty good. But we're flawed people. So it's a lot harder to do than it sounds. Uh, sometimes it seems impossible. So what we need is an intervention a lot of times. We need, we need for God to, to come to our rescue and get us back on track so that we can follow him the way that we were meant to. Um, I'd like to bring up Bruce and Brenda Bowers. Um, Bruce and Brenda have agreed to, to visit with us today, but not only today, actually they're going to be coming up for uh, the next two Sundays as well and continuing to, to share more of their story and their journey. Uh, today we're going to hear more from Bruce and a little bit from Brenda. And then uh, next Sunday, we're going to hear more from Brenda and a little bit from Bruce. So, uh, hi. <laughs> hi. Hi. Uh, well, you know, some of these people don't know you all. I mean, I know you both fairly well, but tell, tell us a little bit about yourself for the people that don't know you. Sure. Um, I grew up uh, in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm in my mid-50s. <laughs> I grew up with uh, two older brothers and one younger sister, so I was the youngest of three brothers. Um, I met Brenda in a church back in 1982, and uh, we got married in the spring of 84, which means, if you can do your math right, we've been married 34 years. <laughs> Good job. And I'm Brenda Bowers, and um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, but uh, moved to Houston, and like Bruce said, met him at church. And uh, we got married and a long time ago, and uh, we have four lovely children, and uh, ages ranging from um, almost 31 to almost 16. Yeah. Well, wow. I know that, I mean, if you were to tell your whole story, which would be great, it would be ours, but... But, I, Bruce, tell us, there was a day, I know, you've shared with me that forever changed your life. Can you tell us about, about what that was, what happened that day? Yeah, I can tell you about that day, but probably first I should give you a little backstory. Uh -huh. um, there was a point of conflict that had been uh, bubbling for at least a couple of years, um, and it had been... Uh, it's something that, you know, Brenda and I knew that there was friction on. Every once in a while, we'd touch on the subject, and 
you know, neither one of us would make progress one way or the other. And then, you know, one day it, uh, that bubbling roared up into a full category five storm. Okay. And um, um, we had, you know, one of these knockdown, drag out arguments and, and not really physical not fight, physically. but no, no. <laughs> Nobody um, was knocked down or dragged out. Nobody but you, was we know what you mean. Down. Yeah. 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 Um, but yes, it was, um, it was pretty bad and um, ended up that uh, she retreated into our spare bedroom to spend the night and quite frankly, I didn't care. Um, so then, then the next day, you know, I went to work, didn't speak to any of my family. Actually, I didn't speak to my family for a couple of days, right? And uh, I, I was just, I was so full of anger that I was, I was just done. Came home from work and uh, went into my bedroom and went into my closet and all of her clothes were gone. Everything was gone. Went into the bathroom and all of her, um, well, in our bathroom, it's this long sink and this little bit's mine and <laughs> it's hers. And, but it was, exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it was, it was all empty. It was, you know, I had all this space. My first thought was, yeah, I got all <laughs> this. But then I thought, wow, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of alone now so you know and that kind of tugged at my heart a little bit but um, yeah yeah but you know as far as I was concerned fine I guess you know I guess I guess everything's done here so you were I mean she was you were still in the same house but you were separated yeah, yeah, we were separated, and, and I think that she had, unbeknownst to me at the time, but she was already making overtures to, for some assistance on how to, how to bring things to a close and what to do with her life yeah. you know, following that. So um, when, when did things begin to change for the better? Well... So, um, like I said, didn't talk to anybody for a couple of days, and then, then I decided that, you know, I really loved my kids, and I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to make sure that they understood that what was happening between us, they weren't responsible for, they really, you know, it's, it wasn't from anything that they did, because I still love my kids, dearly. So I went in to uh, talk to my daughter, and explain that to her, and it did not go well. Oh. <laughs> Didn't go exactly as I had envisioned it going. Um, there was a lot of pushback there, and so I kind of took a step back and decided, you know, I really didn't want to, because I still had that point of conflict. I was still holding on to that anger, mm -hmm. right? But I still had respect for my wife, and I didn't want to just, I didn't want to bad talk her in front of my kids so so I went to get Brenda and and ask her about that and and kind of I don't know get her permission or get her approval to kind of tell the story once again and and um, while I was I mean almost momentarily when I'd walked into her bedroom 
um, my daughter came in and said, why don't we have a family meeting and get this all out in the open? So we went downstairs and had this family meeting. And so, and once again, you know, without really seeing the big picture, I launched into my, my <laughs> the same old tired story that I had been harping at Brenda about for a couple of years. And, and I, you know, I felt the anger welling up inside of me. And as I got into that same old part, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and just getting angry and angrier. And then I, I, I looked down at my daughter, and her eyes were filled with tears. And she said, She said, Dad, why, don't you, why can't you understand that none of that even matters? I said, what do you mean none of that matters? Of course it matters. And I thought, how can she say that? How can she say none of this even matters? And so I, that, was, that hit me like a ton of bricks. So I had to take a step back and reevaluate it from Christ's perspective. Because you know, remember, I was a Christian through all this. It's not like... You know, it's not like I, 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 I was not. I, I, I was and am a Christian, and, and so I had the capability to, to kind of, well, maybe not me, maybe God threw me, kind of pull back and re-examine the situation. Uh, Brenda, what's going on from your perspective here? Well, you need to understand that, that this conflict was ultimately 33 years in the making, um, because we kind of started out our marriage with being very young and not having great communication skills and not really learning them along the way. So we always had struggle doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, God's good. He got us through a lot of years of frustration and, and, and tough times on both sides. And, uh, but this one, this one was a little different. Um, I, I watched, it's hard. It's hard to watch your, your loved ones make choices and fall into a pit that you can see, you know, is not what God wants for their life, um, but they're just not listening to you. And so every time we had a disagreement um, about the same thing for these two years, uh, I would walk away and I would pray, God, please remove the scales from his eyes. And that was my prayer over and over and over. And the fights got more and more frequent. And I would just walk away and pray that. And then that night it happened, and to watch that happen and watch God in action through our daughter and watching those, I mean, like, almost, it felt like it. And um, to see him kind of go, aha, um, was amazing and yeah. a blessing and, yeah. and truly answered prayer. Okay, uh, I mean, you're separated under the same roof, and this goes on for weeks, and then into, we're talking months, um, what did you learn about yourself in this whole process, Bruce? What were you learning? What was God showing you? Well, he's showing me how self-centered and selfish I was. <laughs> to put it short, to put it, uh, yeah, rather succinctly. Um, and I knew that there was a, a method of looking at life that, I, that had been going on for five decades that, that was skewed and was not was not Christ-centered. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of work to be done. Uh, tell you about, here's a specific example. 
of how self-centeredness and selfishness can manifest. So we had, uh, we had family over for a uh, barbecue dinner one, one uh, uh, Sunday afternoon. And um, they came over, it was, we, were, we were having a good time. Um, if you knew the layout of our kitchen, well, the kitchen is the gathering place, probably in anybody's home, the kitchen's the gathering place. And, and so we're, we were standing there talking, and you know, shortly after our family got there, well, it was time I had to put the, the meat on. So I went out and put the meat on the grill and was tending that and taking care of the barbecue and everything. Meanwhile, everyone else is still in the house talking, having a good time. I'm out cooking, um, and I started feeling sorry for myself. I started feeling neglected, uh, uh, disrespected. You know, that same old thing just started welling up inside of me, saying, you know, they're all in there having a good time, and you're out here slaving away at the, at the, at the grill. Um, and so every once in a while I have to go in and, and either get a plate or get some more sauce or get another rack or, you know, something. Um, and, you know, I'd try to shoot barbs or try to just engage. Oh, but I got to get back out there. So I went back out there. Finally, finally the meat's done and I carry it inside and it's like, oh yeah, everybody's going to be so, so happy to have this great food here. And so I sat down at the table, started cutting up the ribs and getting them all ready. And then when it was ready, I said, okay, everybody, dinner's ready. And what do you think happened? They just, they kept on with their conversation. And, and I felt, I felt angry. I felt angry because I had sacrificed the enjoyment of the time of my family. And then when I came in and announced that the food was ready, well, they were still having a good time. And that pride, that self-centered, self, self-focused attitude welled up into anger again. How did it come out? Um, he, he got real quiet. That's one of his mode of operation. He'll, he would either get really, really quiet when he was really angry, um, and, and he would send out these heated vibes. <laughs> and yeah, it's like everybody knew <laughs> that he wasn't very happy. Um, but uh, that was what happened that day. So it made everything kind of tense. Tense would be a good word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But the cool thing was God was already at work in his heart because um, normally our, our normal mode of operation had become because, you know, after 33 years, you kind of settle into, and my personality is the type that I'm the peacemaker, and so, which also makes me an enabler. And so my mode of operation had become, um, you know, walk away from the situation to diffuse it and, um, or he would walk away angry, and then I would turn to my kids and justify his anger to try to make him better in their eyes, and which is how I enabled. So um, I would never normally go up and touch him or say anything to him because that actually would make it worse. And this time, I did. I don't know why, I just did. And I just went up and I just touched him lightly. I don't know what I said, but I said it very quietly. And this time he listened and he heard me, and he calmed down, and the vibes went away, and the rest of the afternoon was a great afternoon. So Bruce, uh, is there another example of how you've seen God at work in your life in this last year? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, when I, 
after that, uh, call it the great awakening moment, whatever you want to call it, when, when God finally got through to my heart, through the, uh, that little meeting with uh, Brenda and my daughter, um, then I started looking at things differently. And, <laughs> you know, first of all, I started recognizing how much I love my wife. Um, God rekindled that, that love, and, and, and I just I wanted to have that union together again with her. And, you know, but as is often the case, I mean, th- this is not the first time that a reconciliation occurred because, you know, we've, we had this, this friction for a long time, and be like, oh, okay, let's, you know, that, that's, let's sweep it under the rug. We're, we're all good now. And, and this time had been so strong and so heavy that she, and she had taken such drastic steps, she didn't want to have to come back easy and then go back further. And, you know, it's like, we're going to fix it now or we're going to be done now. So um, I decided I wanted to fix it now. And so I started doing things. Uh, you know, here's a story. So I went to uh, Divine Truth, the bookstore, because I wanted a, a, a Bible study that, that I could engage in with just Brenda and myself to, you know, have time together and reconnect, rekindle that. Um, and I thought that a couple's Bible study, it was, it's a perfect way to do it, right? Right. So, <laughs> or so you thought. So I thought, yeah, yeah. So I walked into Divine Truth, and I know <laughs> that the Holy Spirit was guiding my steps because I went right past the Bible studies, right up to a rack that had men right across the top of it. And the first book that I saw was this book called Strongholds. <laughs> and I picked up that book, and I started, I sat down, and I started reading that thing. And that was me. Strongholds. What, what do you mean? So, Satan builds these little fortresses in our heart, um, and this book just identifies it with the, with the word stronghold. And my stronghold was pride. And I firmly believe that pride is like at the root of 99% of all sin. And, um, and I started reading the book, and I got... I got like a third of the way through the book while I was sitting there, and I was just bawling, and, <laughs> and people left me alone. Um, so I took that book, and, and, uh, and I started studying that book. Uh, and so, so the stronghold of pride, right? And uh, when, when the evil one is able to build this one stronghold, it can manifest in other ways. So a little sub-fortress or a little connected fortress. I'm sorry. Tell you what. I think we're going to save that story. Okay. Because we're going to, we're going to save it for another time. Okay. But uh, just tell me, just in, in general, how, how, do you, how do you see your role now differently than the, the pride-filled, selfish Bruce? What's, how are you, how is it different? Fair enough. Well... Um, the best example we have is just look to Christ, right? So in those, in those waning days of, of his ministry, what did he do? He got his disciples together and he washed their feet. 
He became a servant. I mean, and that was just a picture of, the, of what he did for us on the cross. But still, he was a servant to his disciples. And of course, Peter got it all messed up. But, you know, yeah. I so identify with him. But, um, so that's what he was. Christ made himself a servant, so that's, that's what I have to be. I have to yeah. be a servant to my family. Thank you both for sharing. Appreciate that. <clears throat> okay, I want, to, I want to wrap up here today by giving you one thing that you can take home that's going to make an immediate impact on your family. <clears throat> it's a practical way that you can live out Ephesians 5.21 at home and it's to do this. Ask each other this question, what can I do to help? You walk in, dinner's on the stove, and you ask, what can I do to help? Well, you can set the table. At other times, you might ask that question, and you might end up raking leaves, walking the dog, or folding laundry. It's a powerful question. What can I do to help? And it's hard. It's hard because you always have something you'd rather do. Uh, <clears throat> I heard Andy, uh, preacher Andy Stanley uh, say one time that if your kids uh, walk in, it, that if you kids walk in while your parents are having friends over and you kind of walk by and you say, hey, anything I can do to help, it'll freak them out so much that they'll say, oh, no, no, we're fine. And as soon as you walk out of the room, their friends will say, you have to tell us your parenting secrets. We know nothing. Teach us. And you get credit and all you did was say something. You didn't have to do anything. And you know, it goes both ways. It might be the Saturday morning when your child has to clean their room or else. But you know that they're overwhelmed and discouraged because there's so much to do. And you walk in and say, well, I'm not here to do it for you. But what can I do to help? You're acting like Jesus. You're submitting, which means you're voluntarily cooperating and sharing the burden. And here's the other thing. After you ask, what can I do to help, you're not allowed to keep score. All right? I mean, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says, that love keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, in other words, it's not keeping scores, not keeping track of who's done more and who's done less. Can you imagine what would happen in your families if you all began asking that question, what can I do to help? What would that be like? Uh, you know, how, how would that begin to transform your family relationships? What if we put selfishness aside and started submitting? And why would you do it? Because that's what Jesus did. We just, we just have to follow. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that uh, you have claimed us as your own. Jesus, you have come to our rescue and you have uh, shown us your way. And so, Lord, we ask that you will not only teach us but empower us to follow you and to live it out, not only out in the world where we work and go to school and, and live, but also at home. We pray in your name.
Amen.